Hey, I am Michael Sayer here for the Ask the Experts panel. Uh, I will go ahead and let my coworkers introduce themselves. These are the other members of the design team. Let's go ahead and start with our creative lead, Jason Bullman. You jumped straight to the middle. You threw me off. Hey, yeah, we thought you were going left to right. I, I, I said in the oh, notes I was going to throw it to always start. <laughs> Hey there, everybody. I am Jason Bullman. I'm the director of game design uh, here at Paizo. Uh, and, uh, I, I mostly these days just, uh, uh, sit back and, and watch all of these, uh, amazing designers work. So I will toss it to the rest of them to continue talking. Mike, who are we going to next? You've, you've messed this all up. Except <laughs> Let's go ahead and now. I'm, I'm reading this. Oh, Mark. Okay. Mark. Oh, no, that's fine. <laughs> okay. I'm Mark Seifter. I'm the design manager. So that means that while Jason's sitting back like he's saying and um, making sure everything's lining up just right. I am I'm there in the trenches and managing and making sure that we get all of that awesome stuff done and doing a lot of design as well. And then James. Hi everyone, I'm James Case. I am the newest designer here and I just run around helping on various projects. So that's what I do. Yeah. Uh, so this is the Ask the Experts panel. Uh, we're going to kind of just jump right in, let you know what we've been working on, uh, what we've got coming up next. And we're going to try and get through that pretty quick so we can just turn it on over to the rest of you. Um, so the main thing to know is that we're the designers. The books we are talking about are hardcovers like The Besteries, The Advanced Player's Guide, and more specifically for the purposes of this panel, Secrets of Magic, Guns and Gears, and the upcoming Book of the Dead. Um, Mark, what is one thing about Secrets of Magic that you've been holding on to that you think would be like a good thing to get the ball rolling here? Something I've been holding on to... Hmm. I didn't know I I was gonna go into a, a detail that I've been holding on to. Can we can we give them an overview of the book in case they weren't in the other panel first? And by the time that we do that, I will have something for them. I think that that is an excellent thing we can do. Jason, do you want to go ahead and let us know what we can expect in Secrets of Magic? So yeah, uh, you know, uh, Secrets of Magic uh, uh, is you know kind of the first book. Uh, from uh, us that is outside the kind of core of the game. So, you know, we, we, we have the core rulebook, you have the advanced player's guide, the game mastery guide, best series, uh, beginner box, all of that is stuff we kind of consider the core of the game. So after that, we're starting to do kind of deep dives into specific topics, books that you add to your table to really add a lot of depth and flavor uh, to, your, to your game. And Secrets of Magic is kind of the first one of those. So we stopped, We thought we'd start with some one of, a topic that a lot of folks are excited about, uh, and that's magic. So Secrets of Magic is just jam-packed full of rules uh, about, you know, magic. So naturally it has two brand new classes uh, in it. Uh, it has the Magus and the Summoner, two favorites from first edition. Um, and I will let others talk about how awesome they are. Uh, but the, the book is also naturally jam-packed full of new spells, new rituals, uh, new rules uh, for working with spells. But what has me most excited about it is just the amount of this book that um, is just kind of packed full of flavor and lore. Um, you know, we, we really wanted these books to have a bit more of a, of a sense of place. Um, so they're tied more to Galarian. You have essays from various 
uh, folks who have experience in the various magical traditions uh, it, scattered throughout the book. Uh, actually, those are all up in the front. Uh, but, you know, that's that's one of the things you get with this book. You get a lot of lore to tie these mechanics to the world and to the place. So there, I've, get, I've given it a, an intro. Awesome. Mark, you, you, you Mark did what it. you got? You did it, Jason. Uh, I realized that yesterday we, I, I spent a little while telling people what types of Eidolons there were in the Summoner. So please do watch the Secrets of Magic panel for a lot of Secrets of Magic. But we didn't really give a sense of almost anything else that the Summoner got because that was where like the time in the Summoner was. So the Summoner adds a lot more sort of customization than you used to be able to have on your Eidolon before. So not only do you get um, multiple different stat arrays to choose between, so like the Devotion Phantom could be a Stalwart Guardian or a Swift Protector, Stalwart Guardian of which has maybe has more strength than the Swift Protector is more dexterity based. But you also can make some decisions about uh, what you're going to do with your primary attack, whether it's going to be uh, a 1d8 attack with shove, for example, or maybe you want a 1d6 attack that's deadly and finesse. So there's a few options there. Then you also get an evolution feat at first level, just even though spellcasters generally don't have a first level feat, you as a special feature get that. And there's so many evolution feats at level one and two that there's nine total options between first and second level. So there's a lot of ways, even by as, as soon as second level, that you can customize and change your idol on. So that's kind of something that I realized we missed and we didn't talk about either in the panel yesterday or in that um, panel stream where people had a lot of questions <laughs> afterwards. So check both of those out for more information. So uh, after uh, after Secrets of Magic, the next book that we've got uh, coming up in the list is Guns and Gears. And this is one that uh, Mark and I in particular have put a lot of work on. And uh, fortunately, we had James Case backing us up and uh, helping us with art orders and other uh, pieces of this project, uh, helping them get done in a very efficient manner so that we could really get into... Uh, making this the best book it could possibly be uh, as we uh, as we kind of crank away on it here. Um, some big things that I was going to just kind of drop, uh, and you can ask more questions about these or any other questions you might have about Guns and Gears uh, as we get to the uh, the end of the panel here. So make sure you're queuing those up, and I'm watching them in the, uh, the chat stream as well if you're dropping them in there. Um, but we've got some exciting new insights into the continent of Arcadia. Uh, a continent we really haven't touched much in many other books. We've hinted at it a lot. We've occasionally gone there briefly in an AP. You're going to see a region of Arcadia known as the Deadshot Lands, where they have a variety of really cool guns and other technology, uh, including beast guns, which are cool magical guns made out of monsters. They're basically taxidermy firearms. Uh, we're also going to have combination weapons i saw one of the questions in the chat was would i call a weapon that does both bludgeoning and piercing damage combination nah i think i would save combination for a weapon that is both a sword and a gun uh yeah, mark you want to talk a little bit about yeah <laughs> i, I <laughs> you was, talk i was hoping 
I was hoping that the beast guns would be a gun that shoots a beast. It just like fires <laughs> like an elephant. Yeah. Well, well, right, Jason, right, one yeah, of them, on. one of them, kind of is. There's the one that's the regenerating troll gun that fires chunks of troll out, and it just regenerates new bullets because you know you made it out. Because it's troll. a troll and it can. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That one, I love the descriptions on that one. There's like a nice little ammo sack that fills up with teeth and lumps of flesh. You know, whatever you're planning on shooting in the this moment. This is the grossest gun I've ever heard of. I'm yeah, so happy really about is. it. <laughs> um, let's let's move on from biomatter to gadgets, though, Mark. You want to give us a little uh, a little teaser about some of the gadgets maybe that were in here or what you did with those? I know people were really curious about that during the playtest. Sure. So basically, when you're thinking about the inventor, which is, for those of you who, this is your first hearing about guns and gears, the two classes in the book are the gunslinger, who does a lot with guns, and the inventor, who just, you know, they have their great innovation that they're innovating, and they use all sorts of weird inventions and cool things like that to, in order to fight and in order to go out in an adventure. And so one of the things that we did not include in the playtest on purpose because we didn't want to have to like balance a whole set of these is gadgets. And they are in the final version. There are feats that let inventors just sort of get a few gadgets each day for free. And gadgets are these consumable technological items that do something cool. And um, they might be created out of just pieces of other things that you found. So they could, you could like, put some gadgets on your boots for a one-time uh, giant rocket jump, for example. That seems like it could be good. Or put some gadgets onto your shield that will try to like protect the shield a little bit from getting some damage and then before it falls apart. So there's gadgets that fill into a lot of different niches and that's kind of what that's kind of what the deal is, Mike. Yeah. Um, so We'll save the rest of the spoilers about Guns and Gears for the uh, the latter portion of this uh, panel here, probably. No, we want to talk more. No, Jason, I, want... I demand more spoilers. <laughs> oh, well, if Jason demands more spoilers, Mike, why don't we give a big thing about each of the two class, one for each of the classes? Okay. Uh, so Gunslinger got two new ways. One of those ways is the Way of the Vanguard, a tanky gunslinger who uses really big uh, shotgun-like scatter weapons to uh, blast holes in the enemy lines and hold territory for the rest of the party members. Uh, it's, I think, something that people should be really excited about. During the playtest, one of the things that people brought up was that they wanted something that was more of a heavy gunner that really specialized in shotguns, and so they're going to get that in the release. That's a that's a good spoiler. Let's hear another one. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, when we tested the adventure class in the playtest, we had an ability called unstable that frankly actually we made a mistake in it and it didn't really work. It made made you sometimes lose your action when you tried to use it. And everyone in the playtest rolled really well with the fact that we just said right away, we're sorry, this doesn't work, we're going to fix it. I will tell you how we fixed it. And it's pretty awesome. So in, in the playtest, it was basically certain abilities that you could use it once safely, and then at that point, your innovation is kind of like on the fritz, and if you try to use it again, something bad might happen. Whereas now, 
unstable abilities sometimes uh, have a safe option that you can just kind of use it a little bit in that way and it'll work and you can use it again. But if you want to get a better power out of it, then you do the unstable version. And when you do that, there is a chance that you won't be able to use your unstable abilities again uh, if you use that too many times. So that's how it works. And a lot of the unstable abilities, especially starting out, like not at the very first levels, have some additional option for safe use. And so it's got kind of a two-pronged approach to it. And that's, that's how we changed it up. Um, I will go ahead and I will throw one more spoiler that is actually eight spoilers out there uh, for you related to <laughs> the gunslinger. A lot of people have had questions about reloading. They, uh, they found that uh, reloading, especially if they wanted to dual wield weapons, whether that was sword and pistol or pistol and pistol, uh, it was, was kind of hard on the action economy, and people really wanted to uh, see some more stuff that uh, made reloading a little bit more fun and made feats like running reload more of a cool thing that you could pick up than a thing that like you felt like you had to take. So to open up reloading and give people a whole wide variety of different ways to handle that with their characters. We introduced a bandolier that can be inscribed with weapon runes attuned to multiple one-handed firearms to share its runes to them. And you can fire and drop these things and then activate the bandolier to pull all of those guns back into the bandolier. We added bayonets and reinforced stocks that you can attach to your uh, melee weapons, like your one-handed or two-handed firearms. So when you're shooting and stabbing, you can do that with the same basic unit there. Uh, we added capacity weapons, like the slide pistol, that still require an action to reload, but can be reloaded without having another free hand. We added double barrel weapons that can hold two shots for separate attacks or be fired with two barrels simultaneously for higher damage. Dual weapon reload, a feat that a lot of people were taking from the dual weapon warrior archetype during the playtest, is now a first level feat available to all gunslingers. We added a new trait called Fatal Aim that can be put on weapons and allow them to be used in either one hand uh, or two hands for a higher critical damage effect. There are, I know this is going to be exciting for some people, repeating weapons that can hold a magazine of multiple shots that can be fired uh, several times before it needs to be reloaded. And finally, a lot of you played Drifters. Drifter was a very popular way for the gunslingers during the playtest. The Drifter now gets Striking Reload, where it can hit with its melee weapon and reload its gun at the same time as a first-level ability. They don't have to spend any feats on it. It's just part of being a drifter so those are i think most maybe not all of the ways that we opened up reloading there's also a bunch of new feats and things that allow you to do really cool stuff when you reload and every single gunslinger has some sort of unique technique that they get baked into their chassis for doing their own kind of cool thematic reload ability hmm. i am almost sated for spoilers almost <laughs> but I could use I could use the I could use the desertment of spoilers. So, Mark, give us one cool, awesome gadget that the inventor can make. One, just one. One, one. No, one this gadget is the mint. specifically. Yeah, that the inventor can make. 
Uh, all right, so I named some of the ones that I remembered off the top of my head. How about this? So there is a type of um, te technological advance that you may have heard about in the Lost Omens books that Ustalov is kind of using some of these um, Stasian coils they picked up from in Irisen that are sort of based off Tesla coils. And there is a gadget that uses some of the weird way that these coils create interference in ethereal essence to disrupt uh, divine and occult spells. So it's a scientific reaction, but you can try to mess around with people's divine and occult spells. And there's a different version, that's a little different, that works on arcane and primal, but it's a different technological way. So you have a way that you can mess around with spells if those spellcasters are getting annoying. Are you how are you feeling, Jason? You full? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. I've had I've had enough spoilers. I'm 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 full of guns and gear spoilers. <laughs> what else we got? If, uh, <laughs> if you have all the guns and gears that you can uh, that you can really uh, you know settle comfortably on at this point in time, mm. then I think Jason, it's time for you to talk a little bit about the next book on our list of things to talk about here, Book of the Dead. Ooh, I, I got to admit, I'm super excited for Book of the Dead. Book of the Dead is um, a, a, a really kind of interesting new book from us that uh, has some really fun, exciting stuff. This, this is an awesome piece of art. I love it, but it's it's actually uh, uh, from, I believe, the core rulebook. Um, the, the Book of the Dead is our chance to really kind of do a deep dive into uh, the undead and... Um, you know, instead of doing more bestiaries, you know, going and doing bestiary four and bestiary five and bestiary six, we decided that instead it might be fun to kind of explore one group of undead, one topic, or sorry, one group of monsters, uh, <laughs> and and kind of do a deep dive on them. Uh, and you know, I the moment we were doing this, I'm like, I want to do undead, I want to do undead, uh, because they're my favorite, right? Uh, anyone who's ever attended a panel with me in the past knows that I have you know, uh, a, a deep and abiding love for liches and skeletons and zombies and stuff. And anyone who's played in my adventures knows that too. Um, you know, so Book of the Dead really kind of was to the close to the top of the list for me. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of the direction we're taking. So this book is jammed full of undead. It, it has like over a hundred pages, I think, of undead, or at least that was in one draft of the outline. I, I can't remember exactly where it landed. Um, but that's a that's a good sizable chunk of the book. But it also has options for players and options for GMs and tools for everyone to use at the table. So it's not just undead. It's about how to fight the undead or how to even be undead. And um, what I found kind of most engaging from it early on is we based it off. There is a collection of scrolls from Osirian in our world um, that Geb collected and annotated. Um, and added to, and originally it was just about how to how to treat uh, dead bodies and and how to preserve them and whatnot. But Geb, of course, went through and annotated and added his own notes. And uh, so one of the fun things we've we've done with this book is there are there are large sections of lore written in Geb's voice, um, and I have had a absolute delightful time writing some of those. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. And uh, you know, one thing that I think Eric might have even forgot to mention in his keynote was that the book is wrapping up with an adventure. Um, not a huge one, but uh, enough to give you a nice, good 
uh, a taste of what the undead have to offer. Uh, and uh, I am, I'm, I'm not going to say any more about it because I'm still in the middle of writing it, but I'm, I'm super excited uh, to bring it all to you. Uh, and uh, boy, oh, delicious, delicious. So many, so many fun uh, things that we're going to throw at you. But yeah, you know, so it's going to have more options for existing undead that you know and love. It's going to have a lot of conversions of some first edition undead monsters, and it's going to have a lot of new undead monsters in it. So this book's really going to have a lot. Uh, and if you want to bring more undead to your table, this book is going to be the book you want to have. All right. So Book of the Dead is a little bit down the road, obviously. We don't have a lot of spoilers. Do we have spoilers, Jason? You you, you jumped I, well, I, like I, maybe you... I, you know, I was like, I just, I just ate all these spoilers. But, you know, now that I've talked a bit, I think I might be able to fit one more spoiler in. And, Excellent. you know, because, because it's me, it's going to be about liches, right? Uh, you know, that's, that's what it's going to be about. And there's some new types of liches uh, in the book. And one of them is a lich that, uh, I, I, I don't want to say the name because the name might change, but uh, I'll give you a description of what this lich is up to. This lich, uh, over the years, starts replacing parts of its body with magic items including uh, inserting its spell book inside of its own rib cage that it can flip through and cast spells out of. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm ridiculously excited about that. It, it should be a lot of fun. It, it has like wands built into its forearms and uh, like can runically pull weapons out of nowhere. And uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. <laughs> so there, there's my spoiler. There it is. <laughs> Yes. Uh, there is a question in the chat about what new ancestries are in the Book of the Dead. We heard ghouls and vampires. Uh, I don't know that I can spoil that, and certainly the book is not at a stage where I feel super comfortable throwing out any names, but I will tell you, for me personally, ghouls and vampires were the two least interesting ancestries we could have announced that we were looking at putting in there because everybody i think if you've especially if you've been playing uh these games for a while you've played a vampire you've had a gm who found some way to let you be a vampire there are some types of undead you have probably not been in a tabletop rpg before that are going to be in this book and that's pretty exciting also to be clear um, they're not necessarily ancestries, right? Because you can be an elf and get turned into a vampire. But they are options to play. Yeah. Yep. I said you James. can... I believe what we said is that you can find ways to play as undead. And ancestry is certainly one of the levers we have for that. But it is not the only lever we have for that. So um, more to yeah, be I mean, announced. But we are looking at how you might you know, fulfill the fantasy of being whatever kind of undead you want to be. I mean, I think I think that's really a, a good way of looking at it because we had a we had an in depth discussion about how that might work because you know a, a full ancestry might work better for something like skeleton than oh, <laughs> uh, but but you know for something like vampire that's more like something you get over time, yeah. right? It's it, it doesn't necessarily overwrite being an elf. Well, unlike a skeleton, mm -hmm. which which kind of works because your ears fall off, and then no, no. one knows you're an elf. Like in in the situation that there was a skeleton, perhaps. Uh... 
if that were a thing that were in the book, <laughs> then 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 it would it might work that way. But I, we're yeah, not saying that it is. So so. Shh. <laughs> I'm gonna have an email from Logan right after this meeting. I know it. All right. Uh... <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um. <laughs> So another thing that uh, Book of the Dead is doing is this is coming in and it's kind of filling the slot that used to be Bestories, right? After Bestory 3 came out, we said, this is probably the last Bestory. We're going to start looking at some other uh, things going forward. And Book of the Dead is is that kind of book, something that's got uh, a really rich and unique presentation to it that has options for both players and GMs. And its real focus is expanding the game into new territory. Um, this will probably not be the only format you see new monsters in. Uh, and I think we've still got lots of monsters uh, as a team that we would love to put into the game. Everybody has their, uh, you know, their lists, I would imagine. Uh, any, any particular monsters, James, that you're waiting for your moment to unleash? Uh, you had the Night Marchers in Bestory 3, which were something pretty special i think they had a strong cultural connection for you and are also super cool both mechanically <laughs> and the art yeah i um i quite like putting that one in i ended up actually having to send liz an old family photo of what the background should look like because i just couldn't find one online so i called up some of my family and had them send it to me um, I don't know. I've been really, really deep into the Book of the Dead monsters so far. So really, in terms of monsters lately, all I've been thinking about are skeletons and spirits and that kind of thing. Um, Book of the Dead has some really cool picks. We have some, you know, returning favorites. We have stuff like Grave Knights, for instance. I don't think that that'll surprise a lot of people or like liches. We have some stuff that has occurred elsewhere. So we have a small number of pickups that we're looking at. Things like uh, I mentioned, Juncture are on the Aryan Fist of the Ruby Phoenix, so we took that and we moved them into here as well. But then we also have Undead from everywhere. We have Gaelic Undead, we have Latin American Undead, you know, we have uh, East Asian Undead. It's really from everywhere, so it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, one thing you know, we were we were talking before this panel got started that you know we we really should probably do a book focused on primeval creatures, you know, that way we have a place to put mm. dinosaur fort. <laughs> <laughs> I see you filling out the bingo card there. That's right. They already, are, they already asked about it in Secrets of Magic Battle, so they already got no, their no, own. I see them in the times then. You know, all hail the living god, and I think I'm set. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just did it. All right, we're good. <laughs> we're good. You got bingo. <laughs> I think the thing with the monster books or whatever, you know, we said that bestiary three was the last bestiary. Um, I think if it looks like we could look at something by a, another creature type, there are some really iconic ones. We could also look at things maybe by location. I know they've talked about uh, in the Lost Omens line, the Mongi Expanse book has a lot of Mongi creatures. Um, so by location is maybe another thing we might look at in the future. It's just kind of whatever way we have to get a cool slice of monsters that also tells a really interesting story. Yeah, and I think I think stories, uh, it's such a good thing to evoke, right? Because I think that that was something that um, 
Bestiary 3 is one of my favorite bestiaries because I feel like every monster in it is a monster where you're like, oh, I can see how this could be a one-night session or this could be the locus of a campaign or this could be the mm -hmm. thing. And I think that's what's really exciting about books like Book of the Dead is we're going that extra step from just like, here's a really inspiring monster to here is a really inspiring monster plus all of the dressing and stuff that goes with it yeah. to make it something that can just really embody an adventure and a campaign really well. Uh, Mark, the, the rest of us have been chatting. Do you have anything you want to chime in with at this point in time, or am I just putting you on the spot? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think that you guys said a lot of really good points already about um, the way that we're handling monsters, but definitely I'm... I'm looking forward to whether, what other kind of books can come in uh, after Book of the Dead, because I like Undead, but maybe not as much as Jason. There are other types of monsters <laughs> that I like even more than Undead, like, you know, Fae and some of the extra planar stuff. Those are kind of a little more my jam than Undead, even though I do like Undead too, and they're definitely an amazing choice and an amazing book. Well, no worries. I, I'm, I'm about to have my fill. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm certainly writing enough of it. So <laughs> yes. So uh, uh, we're about halfway. I think we should probably open it up for some questions. Yeah. So uh, let's see. We've already said as much as we're going to say on what new ancestries are in Book of the Dead, and then probably a little more than we should have said. Sorry, Logan. <laughs> well it's not like it's not like skeletons are actually in there yeah nobody nobody ever said that we just said they could nope. be and it would be a great example of something that could be in there i think everybody uh, bought it. If it was <laughs> yeah. uh one of the comments that uh has been floating around here that people have been real curious about is uh what kind of support there might be for magical gunslingers um and so that that seems uh worth talking a little bit about we've done some spoiling uh so i won't go too overboard but i mentioned that there were two new gunslinger ways i told you one of them is the vanguard who uses uh shotguns and big guns and, and is very tanky the other one is the answer to, well, part of the answer to the question, what kind of support do you have for magical gunslingers? Uh, and it is called the way of the spell shot, and that is the end of this sentence. Uh, but I also <laughs> said that we're going to Arcadia, and Arcadia has some really unique traditions. We already talked to you about the beast guns, and there will be options in the book to really make those a big part of your character. Um, so look forward to that. You could also look at, um, you know, the core rulebook has a big section called Magical Ammunition. That's a core section of our rules. And, um, you know, that sure sounds like a good thing that would be in this book. So it sure that. does. <laughs> Subtle. <laughs> yes. Um, so let's see. Did I hear beast guns? Yes, you heard beast guns. We've said it a couple times in the panel now. <laughs> you can you can put that one in the bank. <laughs> uh, alchemical ammunition. Yes, period. 
popping over to the Discord to see if we've got anything going on over Mike, there. I'll, I'll scroll up and see if there were any good questions that came by already. Yeah, sounds there good. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, um, I thought I hit all the ones that had uh, pinged me, um, one way or the other. But yeah, they may not know to ping you by this point in the panel. So go. Um, if you want to ping, might do like I'm about to do, and hit at Salarn. So Trudy asked a question uh, as to whether or not there are any um, interesting rules and options out there to make uh, necromancers with their undead hordes work a bit better. Um, I, if I recall correctly, we may have done a little bit something for that in Secrets of Magic, or maybe I'm mistaken. That's true. No, you're right, Jason. So yeah. just as we've, we've always said, if you want to have a giant mob of like bones or skeletons or zombies coming out of the ground, and you want your game to not grind to a giant halt of zombies and skeletons taking turns, there's going to have to be like one cohesive thing that you sort of animate with your necromantic magic and there's quite a few there's probably at least at least three i think but i'm not looking at it right now spells and secrets of magic that some that create some kind of a group of skeletons or zombies or or spirits or something like that one of which is the incarnate spell that you've seen before that summons like this whirling tornado of spirits no correct me if i'm wrong but you can summon like a troop of skeletons right I mean, it's not literally exactly a troop, so that you don't have to deal with the troop rules. But I sure, think there is sure. one that like creates an area, a you know, roughly troop-sized area, maybe of of skeletons or skeletal hands or something like that, that or zombies. I can't remember exactly that do some damage and do their effects in that area. Just we don't want you to have to use all of those troop rules, but it's pretty similar to that, right? Yeah. Mike, you got anything, uh, or you want me to throw yeah. more? Will guns and gears have technological vehicles and more weapons for vehicles? Possible rules for vehicle combat. Guns and gears has a whole bunch of vehicles in it, and it also has siege engines, and some siege engines can be mounted on vehicles. So there is an endless array of possibilities that your GM will eventually maybe kind of regret saying yes to, unless he was really planning <laughs> on this being a campaign where you knock down <laughs> castle walls as a matter of course. Uh, looks like we got another question here for Jason. You've gotten to be a bullman your entire life. When will you share that might with the rest of us and give us a Minotaur playable ancestry? You know, I think the thing that we always run into with some of those uh, uh, larger uh, playable ancestry, you know, larger creatures is that it, it makes it tricky to uh, have them be a, a kind of more common ancestry, right? You know, most of the maps and corridors and stuff in dungeons are like, well, that's five feet wide and you're 10 feet, you know, large. So um, you always end up having to kind of split the difference and do a weird thing where it's like, oh, you're a minotaur, but you're short, I guess, um, or you squeeze a lot. Um, so, you know, there's some tricks there. Um, you know, I, I don't get me wrong. I, I want everyone to be playing Minotaurs. It's great. It's great. You, you walk around, you knock stuff over. It's fantastic. Um, but, uh, you know, you never get lost in mazes. You don't have to stop and ask for directions. It's fine. Uh, but, you know, it does come with some challenges. So, um, but, you know, I think 
you know, we've we've been talking a lot, uh, you know, uh, recently about, you know, what kind of books we're going to do in the future. And, you know, um, I, I could see us doing a book that's like, you want to play more monstrous creatures? We, we could do something like that. I mean, we don't have anything like that in the plans right now, but it's something we could think about. If it's something you think sounds cool, let us know. But, you know, there's there's lots of different things we could do going forward. And, uh, you know, that's just one of them. I've seen a lot of people uh, in here asking about various classes as well. Um, I'll just field that right away real quick. Um, new classes are something we're always considering. We're trying to keep it at a measured pace because we know that classes kind of add a lot to the burden of the table, right? You know, eventually you end up with so many different classes that it's it's hard to kind of keep track of it all. So, uh, you know, we're definitely looking at ways to add new classes to the game because we want folks to have new toys and new fun things to play with. Um, and certainly there are a bunch of classes from first edition that are pretty prime candidates uh, to m make their way into second. But we also want to give everybody new stuff too. It's kind of a delicate balancing act and we're constantly trying to look at new ways to do that. And, you know, going forward, I'm sure there'll be more news uh, in the future about new ideas and new endeavors that we have. Uh, but right now, that's that's all we got to say on the matter. So, um, you know, Magus and uh, Summoner are going to be a great fun additions to your game. And that's the classes we have announced for right now. Uh, inventor and gunslinger, but oh yeah, and the inventor and gunslinger. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, them, um, them as well. <laughs> uh, this is a question in the chat that uh, also uh, was on the Paizo forums, uh, and it's asking about if Guns and Gears is going to have any support for Numeria. And the answer to that question is not really. Uh, maybe incidentally. But Numeria is a very particular type of technology. It's more high-tech, advanced, alien, spaceship, laser kind of tech. And what we did in Guns and Gears is we, we really kind of focused on the themes of black powder and then steampunk level technology where we've got, you know, electric coils and we've got steam powered engines and we've got clockworks, but lasers and cybernetics and that kind of stuff. That's, that's not this book. That is a different book that is not currently on a schedule anywhere that we have not announced and that we are not planning other in, than in the most back of the mind kind of, gee, I wonder if we're able to get around to that kind of way. So that is where we are at there. Uh, are there any ancestries coming in Guns and Gears? Yes, there are. Uh, it is on the product page. We have the automatons. Uh, these were monsters primarily in uh, Pathfinder First Edition. Uh, and in this one, we have, because their backstory is that uh, people from the Jistkin Imperium, this ancient kind of artificer-centric society, uh, that was in Northern Garand. Uh, they would seal their souls inside of these magical orbs and then put them inside of construct bodies so that they could preserve their knowledge and their skills into perpetuity. Uh, those are going to be in Guns and Gears, and hopefully they're going to be something that's going to be really fun for you all to play with. <laughs> um, bum, 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 bum. Any teasers for the Automaton ancestors? Should I say more? Is there more to be said? I feel like we've just been dropping spoilers. Jason was so hungry earlier. I mean, what am I going to say? Like, Automatons can shoot a laser I'm... out of their central eye, so I was slightly off about this not being the laser book. 
I could say that, I guess. Okay, I said that. I mean, yeah. that is. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Well, it's too late now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, at least you didn't tell them they could just turn into a giant turret and shoot a bigger laser. I mean, yeah. you guys know me. I'm always a little peckish for spoilers. So it's. it's fine. You could say <laughs> that. You could say that upgrading yourself is one of the, you know, key fantasy points of playing an automaton, and so there might be a way that you could take a thing that you've invested in and then upgrade it even further. Yeah, can you upgrade your upgrade, though, so you can upgrade while you upgrade? That one I don't know off the top of my head. Probably not. Sounds like a lot. Maybe, though. I can't remember <laughs> anymore. I know there used to be a way to do it, but I think we may have simplified that. <laughs> do you have to... Do you have to do you have to put a lot of down payment for your automaton body or can you lease it and get an upgrade later? I'm confused about the whole thing. Does it come with more insurance? <laughs> I don't know. Can I get the clear code? I in this in access. <laughs> you know the laws in access right. are really labyrinthine. I told you I didn't want the clear code. Um yeah, no, it sounds like fun. <laughs> Um, does Guns and Gears clarify how travel between, uh, how people travel between Arcadia and Avistan? Is travel common now? Travel is not common, but obviously it would be really kind of mean and maybe just a little bit odd if we introduced an entire continent full of cool player options and then didn't talk at all about how to work those into your campaign or how your character might get from Absalom to there or the other way around. So yeah. We do talk about that uh, a bit in the same section where we talk about what's going on over in Arcadia, how you might cross between them. Um, and in fact, the iconic inventor with his prosthetic arm, you may have seen him in Eric's keynote speech and his cool little construct buddy. Uh, he learned how to build his prosthetic and his buddy while he was shipwrecked on the shores of Arcadia. And he has a big goal to make his way back to Absalom and report into the Pathfinder Society and let them know that he's not dead like they've thought he has been for quite some time. Everybody I loves don't job bot. <laughs> <laughs> he's my favorite. I really it's want us to make like favorite. a... I really want to make a toy of it, but it's really kind of. I want it to be kind of poorly like put together up. so that so That's that if you need. touch it, it just kind of falls apart. <laughs> so I've actually seen a lot of questions for some reason that was about throwing um, and things in guns and gears. So I can say there are like these weird little wings that you can attach onto some of your throwing weapons, and then. There's a variety of different versions of them that do slightly different things, but they generally do their thing when you're throwing the weapon. So they might either fly it back to you or like fly it around corners or things like that. Yeah. Um, do, do, do. Does Le the Magus Lysmith allow... Asked... No, Go ahead, Jay Smith just asked about Godbot versus the Baby Undead from Book of the Dead. You, 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 you've all seen that piece of concept, <laughs> yeah. right? The little... Oh, the, the, the little incense carrier? Yeah, I need 40 of them to follow me around. Yeah, no, I mean, we all want one. So I don't know. It's, it's, I want 40 uh, no. of them to follow me around like Pikmin, yeah. Creepy, creepy, creepy little showdown is what it is. Yes. Sorry, Mike, I interrupted uh, you. Go ahead. No, you're just fine. Um, 
Let's see. Anything for ships in G&G. There is an entire section that talks about the shackles and how cannons and knockoff guns uh, being made based off of stolen shipments from Alkenstar are starting to impact uh, battles down there. So, yes. Uh, what is one of the coolest Eidolon evolutions we haven't heard of yet? That's not really a me spoiler. Uh, Mark, do you think we can mention that, or does that feel like maybe we've just I'm okay with it, it but I I'm yeah. okay with it, but I don't really know which one's coolest fast enough, so I'm just going to go from the bottom and pick the highest level one. Magical Master, because I mentioned that there were magical um, feats you could take if your Eidolon wants to learn magic. Magical Master Mediate really is the coolest. It's super high level. Choose an innate spell of your Eidolon's tradition, of which each of the spell uh, levels from 1 to 7, in which your Eidolon doesn't currently have. So that is a lot of spells. Because you didn't currently have that many other spells at that point. Now you have one from each level, 1 through 7. There you go. Yeah. It's 18th level. You know, I think... I think uh, you know it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't I can't talk much about it, but uh, there's going to be a chance coming very soon for folks to get to see people playing the final version of the Magus and the Summoner uh, live with, uh, with yours truly. So uh, that's a, that's a secret though. Shh, I don't think we've announced it. So <laughs> here I am spoiling something. Spoil. Jason. Oh, wow. I expect Kaizo PR to say something here in just a second, telling me to be quiet. So I'm not going to say any more. Guys <laughs> are just spoiling everything. Everything. I know. I know. What else will I spoil? I don't know. I don't know. I... <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. It's Logan Sunday. was the responsible getting... one. They picked the wrong group to be the four people on this panel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. James is being pretty responsible over there. I don't think he's accidentally spoiled any anything too major yet. It's fine. Thank Nobody's you for throwing the word accidentally out there, Mark. Accidentally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can spoil something. <laughs> well, um, so we are at the. <laughs> I, I know. I, I didn't want to cut you off. What do you What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, let's look at, I don't know, something into Book of the Dead. We've talked a lot about monsters. Uh, we also had a new thing in P2 called Haunts. Um, they were really cool. Haunts seem super undead, so um, not only do we have a bunch of monsters, we also have a bunch of haunts for you to, you know, terrorize your PCs with. Uh, Yeah, we're not we're not peer pressuring you into into spoiling, James. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you better well, you better spoil well, something if you know what's good for you. <laughs> okay, fine. And when we had siege engines, there is also one of my personal favorite siege engines. It is a Huacha. It is a uh, it is a Korean siege weapon that fires a giant battery of rocket powered arrows at things, and you can wheel one out and just rain arrows onto a battlefield with that. So one I of the it. many siege it's engines great. that we have. Yeah. See, that's great. Uh, Don't you feel better? Spoiled. <laughs> I do feel better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we are in the last 10 minutes here, and we're going to try really hard uh, not to go over so that the next panel has uh, their time to come in. 
Um, but hitting up a few of these questions I see in uh, the chat here. Uh, any chance we will see class archetypes in Guns and Gears? There is a class archetype in Guns and Gears. Uh, are there traps in Guns and Gears? Yes, there are traps in Guns and Gears. Specifically in the book itself, when you open it, it's slam shot. <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot of it's traps. A... There's not a lot of class archetypes, but there are traps and there are class archetypes. Yeah. It's it's a high concept book. There's a there's a fair number of stairs. You have to figure out how to open it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. See, there you go. <laughs> That's a. Uh... That's where you don't want to stick your hand in to turn the pages. You no. just kind of want to let it fall over and then do the real gentle flip from page to page. There are swinging yeah, that blades. That is literally what's in your book. It will come out and it will cut off your head. Yeah, no, it's a... The insurance on it is ridiculous, but it's fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> um... Bu -bu -bu -bum. Um, what do we else do we have here? Uh, are AP questions okay? We're not really... APs are other people's things to talk about. Same with uh, Grand Bazaar and, and those books. Those are not uh, those are not our presents to spoil. So uh, we've really got to kind of stick to our lane here. We can, we can give away as much of our own secrets as we please, but we really can't be giving away other people's secrets, unfortunately. Yeah, we're. I, I mean, you know, we're 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 super excited for the stuff the other teams are putting out, and and we get early peeks at all of it, you know, and and in in many cases even even are asked to do you know rules passes and stuff, but you know, that's that's their that's their fun stuff to spoil. So, yep. But it's uh, awesome. Will there... it's really awesome. Yeah. Really good. I know. There's there's. I'm so excited for the books that are coming up from the other teams. Um, will there be an archetype that uses small cannons? And if so, will it be for a specific class or will it be a general one? There is a full archetype whose focus is on uh, giving you the best out of all of the cool siege engines we've put in this book. And you can take it on pretty much any kind of class or character that you want to, uh, as long as you are playing a campaign where your GM has said it is appropriate for you to have access to siege engines. <laughs> If your GM's like, yeah, wheel out a Huacha and shoot out like 50 <laughs> rocket arrows into the middle. Yeah, that actually but, sounds like the coolest thing I've ever heard. Then you're good because you want that, you can, want that archetype that's really good at it. But can you sneak attack with it? <laughs> oh, no. I think it's an area. You sneak attack on the first shot probably, and then. You probably don't. Uh... <laughs> what if you catch them really unaware? <laughs> <laughs> well then then you're in a gamer's situation all right that's fine no. <laughs> i see you saw where i was going with that it's all good <laughs> uh, let's see after guns and gears will you guys be happy with the amount of class options in the games that you could have made in 1e uh you know i think i think second edition is i'm not sure how to answer that question so i'm going to answer what i think that question is asking uh, second edition gave us an opportunity to re, uh, reimagine a lot of concepts and also make some other concepts new. I don't think we're uh, even remotely close to done 
with the things that we can do with classes or uh, opening up all of the kinds of stories that Pathfinder 2nd Edition uh, can tell. If anything, I think now that we have completed the core uh, set of books, you know, uh, the core rulebook, the Advanced Player's Guide, the Game Mastery Guide, and the Three Bestries, that was really the foundation, and I think we're just getting started on what uh, this system can still do and what kind of things we can do with it. Um, is being a gunslinger, having the dedication, the only way to use firearms? No. So it, when we had our very first meeting uh, about the book Guns and Gears, uh, that was a question that came up. There were a lot of people who were like, it was kind of weird that guns were exotic weapons with all of these other, you know, uh, restrictions and uh, various uh, fiddly bits uh, slapped onto them. And isn't it strange that you can pick up a star knife, this round metal ring with four blades, one of which is always positioned to cut you no matter where you hold the ring, but not this simple point and click weapon? Uh, and firearms, therefore, are simple and martial weapons primarily, and we've got a couple advanced ones. They are uncommon, which means that you need to be playing a character who is from a part of the world that grants access to them, or your GM has to give you permission to use them. But anybody can use firearms, uh, and it doesn't matter what your class is. You don't need any special feats or archetypes to do that. Uh, you just need to have access to them. It's really one of those spots in the game where commonality um, serves us well, right? Being able to be like, yeah, this is uncommon, right? You know, and if your GM wants to restrict it, they can do so based on that premise. Um, you know, I, I think that makes a lot more sense than trying to say, oh, no, only people with special training know how to do, you know, this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Requires yeah. a lot of training, at least six months. <laughs> No. Uh, can everyone use firearms well, though? They can use them as well as they can use any other weapon in which they are proficient, and to the degree of proficiency yep. they have. Yep. Yeah. Like, we, we uh, heard in the playtest someone who was using a gun, a simple gun on a witch, with really funny and, and, and useful results, because they had true strikes and some other weird witch stuff they were doing with it, nice. and yeah. it was, actually, pre it was actually pretty nice. <laughs> Uh, we are in That's the hilarious. final two minutes of this panel here, uh, so why don't we go to Mark on the end and then work the way back to me and anybody uh, here on the team who's got your last thoughts, let's go ahead and let's share them before we wrap things up. All right. Well, I guess that's it for me. And again, I'm Mark Seifter. I'm the design manager here. You can contact me as it shows down there on Twitter at Mark Seifter or check me out on Twitch. Uh, Arcane Mark is the channel that I share with Linda's Eyes Palmer, the organized play managing developer. Hey, everybody. I'm Jason Bullman. I want to thank everybody for stopping by here today. Uh, you can find me at all the various social media platforms at backslash Jason Bullman, including here on Twitch, where I have my own channel, um, where I tend to play uh, a lot of things with Undead because, you know, that's my theme as of late. Um, so, uh, you know, we're really excited for all these products. We hope that you are too. Uh, you know, if you've got, uh, if there's something you really want to see for the game, you know, make sure to let us know. Tell us on the message boards, tell us on social media. We're always uh, looking to make sure that we're making the games that you want to play and uh, with the tools that you want to play with. 
So uh, that's all I got. I'll pass it on to James. Hi, everyone. I'm James Case. Uh, I'm a designer. Uh, you can see my social media handle in the overlay because it doesn't translate very well to speech. Uh, and it's been really good uh, talking to everybody and answering questions. And I'm really looking forward to what we have coming up down the pipeline. So yeah. Uh, and I am Michael Sayre, designer and the design lead on Guns and Gears. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, it was my pleasure and privilege to spoil just a whole bunch of stuff to you uh, guys today, way more than I thought we were going to going into this. So uh, hopefully uh, you enjoyed it as much as I did. And thank you so much, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>